Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to an entrepreneur taking her first steps in the world of business. Five weeks ago, after all the anxious moments and detailed planning, the doors finally opened for Gibson's Greengrocer and Deli in Sandbach. Emma Gibson, welcome to Business Brunch. Thank you for having me. Emma, you've worked with some of the UK's major retailers, so tell us about your career and how it developed, uh, in particular with uh, Asda and Tesco. Well, I've been um, selling food products to the major multiples for around 16 years. Over that time, the landscape has changed significantly. So I started out as a national account manager and actually worked my way up to managing a retail accounts team. The the way that that sort of role works has changed significantly though. So the interaction that we used to have with the customers like Asda and Tesco is no longer there. And that was something that I really missed. So as your career developed, it didn't quite go in the way you would have wanted it to. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think it did because it was that customer interaction and being able to go down to Tesco head office and see buyers face to face that I really enjoyed. And over time, that has just changed with obviously advancements in technology. A lot of things are done now over email um, and you don't really even get that much sort of face to face contact time anymore with the customer, which is a shame. And they, they say with uh, retailers, that, or the big retailers, that you, you don't actually sell them product, they rent you shelf space. Is that right? <laughs> it's certainly become more challenging over the years. Um, there's quite a lot of pushback from the retailers when you are trying to sell products into them. And I think some of the enjoyment of that part of the role has, has kind of been taken away as a result of that, unfortunately. But you did take from the, the jobs, um, it was a learning curve for you and... And it helps you develop what aspects of your um, of your skill set. It definitely was um, a really sort of steep learning curve, I'd say. You need to be tenacious to deal with the retailers and persistent, and that's certainly something that I've taken with me into the sort of world of self-employment. But working with the retailers gave me a really good understanding of the types of margins that you might require when opening a business to be able to run that business effectively. And again, that's something that I've brought with me. And I suppose one of the most important things was all the customer insight I was able to gather whilst working with the retailers. So an understanding of customers wanting quality products, but that were value for money. And I suppose one thing that I feel is perhaps missing slightly with the major multiples is um, that customer service. So when uh, when you were dealing with them initially, the, the, the big stores, did you ever rub shoulders with any of their customers? Did you ever do in-store? Yes, yeah. yeah. I'd try and get out to store at least once a week. So you'd actually get to speak to some customers and observe their kind of behaviours in-store as well, which I think is quite important. So more recently, that you managed a retail sales team um, and juggle that with also managing larger retail accounts. Share with us what it takes to, to manage a successful sales team. Uh, it can be quite challenging. I was fortunate enough to have a fantastic team underneath me. To be able to manage a team but also manage the accounts, time management was a, a huge skill that was uh, required. And fortunately, I'm quite an organised person, so I seem to manage to juggle those two sort of roles um quite successfully as a manager i tried to be um, approachable though i'd like to have an open door policy so that 
my team can come and speak to me whenever they need any support or advice or guidance. So I try to be supportive, but also encourage development because I think it's important for a team, particularly a sales team, to maintain their um, motivation. Yeah, that's a key issue, isn't yeah. it? The, actually keeping the team motivated. That's it. And I think sales, you know, you've got to be willing to get up and running. And if, you, if you're lacking that motivation, it can be a really long day. <laughs> I'm sure it must be. And because you've got different, uh, different personalities within a team, you've, uh, how, how did you manage to blend all those and, and keep it running? Uh, it can be quite difficult, but we, you know, we were quite a close knit team, so we were sort of friends as well as colleagues. But that in itself can present its own challenges. So, um, when necessary, I was still able to pull people into line um, and make sure that we were all still working to the same end goals. Brilliant. So, what would you say are the most important transferable skills that you've developed during your time in retail? I would definitely say um, being tenacious and persistent. So don't fall at the first hurdle. You've really got to sort of just keep getting knocked down and getting back up, really, particularly when dealing with the major multiples, um, because it isn't easy. Also, learning about margins and how to manage my own kind of margins when buying products in and looking to sell them on. But being able to sell them on at a price that is still attractive to the customer is quite important. Yeah, I mean, a supermarket relies on volume, but you, as a, as a shop, you're, you're looking more for quality and a higher margin, aren't you? We are. Um, we don't necessarily get the higher margin because we are trying to offer quality products and we've still got to compete with those um, major retailers. So in Sandbatch, we do have a Waitrose and an Aldi, and obviously I can't compete with them on price. But if the quality's there and the customer service is there, then we're hoping that our customers will still continue to come back to us. Today, we're talking to Emma Gibson from Gibson's Green Grocery and Deli. Have I got that right, Emma? Green Grocers and Deli. Green Grocers and Deli. <laughs> okay, I stand, I stand corrected. Um, Emma, you, your uh, commitment to your career came at a cost, and I know it was a, a really traumatic part of your life, but share with us what happened and how you dealt with the fallout. Um, unfortunately, like many mums in my position, I got um, tied up in the rat race. So I was earning good money, dedicating long hours to my career. Um, I was wholeheartedly dedicated to the company that I worked for in the last five years. And unfortunately, that all came at the expense of um, spending time with my family. Um, and I've got a young family. So during the week, I probably wouldn't see my daughter uh, because I'd be gone before she got up and I'd maybe make it back for bath time or reading a story uh, which is a real shame but I'd sort of got caught up in this you know and progressing my career I was very ambitious and it was only when I became ill that actually I took a step back and realised that this isn't what I want for my life I want to spend time with my family and I want to have the best of both which was uh, where the big change changes happened really <laughs> And when you say you became ill, was that physically and mentally? Or, or I was both physically and mentally ill, yeah. And it's unfortunate that that's what it took for me to break that sort of cycle, really. So I had to seek help from my GP, but also saw a counsellor to help, you know, help me work through the issues. And, you know, I'm really pleased to say that I've come out the other side feeling much stronger. So if you look back, could you see the... The, the telltale signs now 
if it was happening again. I could now, yeah, yeah. You know, I was working such long hours that I wasn't sleeping. You know, I was really struggling with headaches and it was those headaches really that um, eventually developed into um, me losing part of my balance. Um, So actually it really impacted on not just my life but the life of my family as well because I had to stop driving. You know, it it really was a significant um, event, I would say, in the last sort of 12 months of my life. And say from front to back, how long did that take? Uh, it's taken 12 months. So yeah. it's quite so a long time. I wasn't driving for nine months, which, you know, when you have got a young family and you've got children that need running here, there and everywhere, it really does put a strain on the family, not just me. And is that because your licence was removed because of your, your circumstances? Or, um, or did I you... didn't feel safe driving because right. of the dizziness that I was suffering with. Um, so I wasn't told I couldn't drive, but the GP suggested you know it might be wise not to get behind the wheel at that time so as somebody that's come out the other end what advice would you give to career-led individuals possibly heading down the same road i think it's important to still be ambitious but but not at the expense of your own well-being and you know if you are seeing those telltale signs perhaps you're not sleeping or you're worrying you're over anxious um listen to your body <laughs> because i ignored mine for a very long time um and you know you should you should really really i know a lot of people say it but work to live don't live to work so what would you have done differently to avoid that happening I would have cut back the hours that I was working because I was working in Manchester, so it was a long commute as well. I would have insisted that I was allowed to work from home a couple of days a week, which would at least take a bit of pressure off for a few days. Uh, I also had to travel quite a lot, as I say, to see the multiple retailers. Um, So perhaps, you know, managing those things a bit better. I think the issue is, you know, the more you give, the more a business is going to take uh, and they're happy to take that extra time from you and you're not always um, rewarded or respected for it. No, I, I can see that. So, um, Emma, moving into self-employment from a secure job is a huge decision and a big step into the unknown. No matter who you're talking to um, or how many times people have uh, witnessed it happening before, there's nothing really <laughs> that can make it an easier step. You've just got to go out there and do it. So uh, tell us how you managed the transition into self-employment. I'm not going to lie, it was extremely daunting, but it was also really exciting because I was able to take all of those things that I'd learnt um, throughout my career and use them to my own benefit, really. So to create a business plan um, that I was comfortable with um, and goals that I'm comfortable with personally. I mean, it's still really hard work, but it's enjoyable and I'm able to be more flexible with it. So I'm able to manage that time so that I still get to drop my daughter at school every day. Just means that my shop opens at 10 instead of (laughs) 9. Well, that's fine, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, it suits you now. It does. And, you know, between nine and ten, I am actually in the shop most mornings, baking fresh quiche, making fresh soup, doing the things that I enjoy. So talk us through some of the business planning that is absolutely essential before, you did touch on it earlier, before launching a new business. You've got to be, um, you know, really careful, make sure that you've got financial planning in place. Um, I was extremely fortunate in a way. Unfortunately, my grandma passed away and left me some money. So I had a lump of money there to get me started in business. So, you know, I have been really fortunate in that sense. But you need to make sure that you've also got money to fall back on because 
in the first 12 months, you know, I'm not expecting to make a fortune. So um, I'm not actually paying myself a wage. You've got to be able to fund that and still maintain your um, standard of living. So financial planning, definitely massively important, but also writing a business plan, planning out what you want to do, not just in the next 12 months, but the next three years, five years. So really having a strong development plan um, over the next five years. And then I'd also say to check what um, support's available locally. Um, So I gained some support via the um, National Enterprise Allowance, which gave me a business mentor, which, I mean, fortunately, I'd already written my business plan, but it just gave me a bit of confidence and comfort to be able to talk that through with a business professional and just sense check that everything was as it should be, but also get a fresh pair of eyes to look at it because you do get a bit blinkered when you're working on your own plan. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) So just, you know, to get an outside pair of eyes on it to make sure that there's nothing glaringly obvious that I've perhaps missed. Are you still able to bounce ideas off your business mentor? Yes, so he is available to me for the next sort of three, four months. So if I did need to go back and just sense check something or maybe ask for some advice around marketing or something like that, then he's available for me to contact, which is great. And of course, uh, a business plan isn't uh, a rigid document, is it? You you can. No. I mean, if things aren't going the way you expected, you can always have a look, another look at it. Yeah, and you've decide got to be on... prepared to adapt because yeah. things do change, and perhaps things don't work out the way you were expecting them to. So, you can adapt that business plan at any stage. And I think you know it is a working document. It's not something that's set in stone. Uh, and if I was to say to you, um, identify one or two issues that you've got no control of in business, what would they be in retail? I suppose for me, uh, obviously, we've got Brexit kind of looming over our heads. Within my store, I try to source things as locally as possible. So hopefully there won't be too much impact in terms of Brexit. However, things like my freshly baked bread, um, I source my baguettes, my croissant and pan au chocolat from France. So I don't know what impact Brexit's going to have on that sourcing and my ability to source those at um, a competitive price. So things like that are out of my control. Yeah, so you might need a plan B if uh, if yeah. that goes a bit pear-shaped. Yes, we'll have to <laughs> find a UK baguette supplier. <laughs> You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. Supermarkets, Emma, um, are no stranger to you, but they've threatened the very existence of independent shops throughout the UK. So tell us how you intend to level the playing field and compete with the likes of Tesco, Sainsbury's and Asda. I've touched on before, obviously I can't compete with um, the likes of Tesco and Asda in terms of price because I'm such a small outlet. However, I can develop um, unique selling points for my business, which kind of give me a point of difference. So at the moment, we're one of the stores in Sandbatch that's leading the way in um, plastic-free shopping. So you won't find single-use plastic within our store. All of our fruit and veg are provided unwrapped but we do provide um, brown paper bags if um, shoppers wish to use them. However, we also encourage consumers to bring in their own bags or containers. Um, so that's something that we're kind of trying to lead the way on and we're getting some really positive feedback from our customers. 
We're also offering really personal um, and high level of customer service. So in the short sort of time that we've been operating, so just five weeks, you know, we already know quite a lot of our customers on a first name basis, which is lovely. And they come back, you know, time and again. So that's something that I think nowadays you miss within the multiple retailers. They just don't have the staff on the shop floor for you to be able to sort of communicate with in the way that we can with our customers. So that personal service, I recall, was, is one of my first jobs was in a grocer's. Uh, and that's exactly what we did. Yeah. We yeah. spoke to every customer. Well, for example, yesterday, a slightly el- elderly lady came in and asked if she could have just half a cucumber because she wouldn't eat a whole one. And of course, for us, that's fine. We just chopped it in half, bagged it up in a brown paper bag and off she went. You wouldn't get that in Tesco. (laughs) Well, no, you wouldn't. And if you roll that out across all the products that you're selling. Yes. And you can advise, presumably, you know, you're giving advice on certain products as well. So, um, you know, we're able to cater for those smaller households. So we can chop a cabbage in half if that's what the customer wants. And then to ensure that that other half doesn't go to waste, I would use that either in a soup or my coleslaw or in a quiche. I watch um, uh, Jamie Oliver only because my wife's interested in it. (laughs) Uh, and he was on last night. He's um, promoting the use of vegetable dishes all the time, isn't he? Yes. So uh, presumably your deli benefits from from um, chefs like that on the it telly. It does, but... it does. And obviously, um, you know, there's a really strong um, vegan trend at the moment. We get a lot of people coming in asking about vegan options for our menu. So we're currently in the process of adapting the menu slightly so that there is a breakfast vegan option and also a lunchtime option available. Um, because people are trying to have a more plant-based diet. So Emma, share with us how you currently market your business because that's obviously the most important moving forward in in generating new business. It is and um, for us it's a particular challenge. So Gibson's is located with inside um, La Boutique Market which is inside the old town mill in Sandbach. So we're slightly off the beaten track. We're just off the high street but we're set back a little bit and even once you get inside there's such a number of retailers in there. It's it's a really great little place. So it's like an Aladdin's cave (laughs) I refer to it as and um, we're right in the back left-hand corner so you've almost really got to hunt us out so marketing is really key for us at the moment I've just been focusing on my social media however last week I did get some leaflets printed so we'll be out delivering those around the Sandbach area and if you do receive a leaflet it does offer you a 10% discount in store if you bring the leaflet in so we'll be trying new things over the next few weeks to bring footfall into the mill. You were saying earlier that that is a joint effort with all the the different retailers. It is, yeah. We have got some Gibson specific leaflets, but also um, La Boutique Market. We all club together and do um, a joint leaflet, which details all of the independent retailers that are available within the mill. And as you're not on the high street, you're affectionately known as a destination in retail. Yeah. (laughs) What what will you do in the future to drive footfall? We are already signed up to doing a couple of events. So we'll be doing a Taste of Sandbatch event, which is in November. And that's going to be run in the market hall instead of within the mill. So it's taken us out of our usual location. So hopefully we'll attract new consumers and we can then direct them into the mill for future purchases. Uh, And when you say we, this is a joint effort. Um, There will be other Sandbatch businesses. So it's any Sandbatch food business is going to 
can have a stall within this Taste of Sandbatch market and it's going to be set up a bit like a bistro so people can buy food from you, sit and eat it, buy drinks. There will be um, a licensed bar there, I believe, as well. So it sounds like a really interesting event for the people of Sandbatch and the local area. It sounds like a great event. Maybe you should invite the cat. <laughs> we do outside broadcasts, you know. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get that in the diary. Emma, you must be busy preparing for your first Christmas in business. So share with us how you've planned for December and uh, and the new year. Uh, we're really excited about Christmas. So as we lead into sort of November, December, we will be looking to set up um, a delivery option whereby we can deliver boxes of fruit and veg to the local community. Uh, we will also be looking at doing some gift hampers for Christmas specifically. So um, as well as sort of freshly baked bread, fruit and veg, we also um, stock local produce. So we have jams that are made in the local village, fruit cordials, uh, we have local crisps. So we can look to create um, a bespoke hamper for one of your loved ones and you'll be able to order those either in store or via Facebook. So will those go out all over the country then? Could they go out to anybody? Well, primarily we'll be focusing on the local area, but, you know, eventually the world's your oyster, why not? <laughs> well, somebody's going to ask the question. Yeah. They're going to walk in and say, I've got a relative down in Kent. Yeah. yeah. Well, we could look at the postage, but obviously it would be on the customer to pay the postage and packaging. Yeah. And then for New Year, I mean, it's going to be incredibly important for us to focus on healthy eating for January. You know, there's always that kind of health kick where people join the gym and look to eat um, more healthily. So we'll be helping our customers do that in January. And have you got something like menus that you can hand out for you know, people? We're in who... the process of just amending our menu, but um, once that has been amended, we will be printing them out and we'll also be printing takeaway menus, yes. And things like, I'm thinking more of cooking in the home. Recipe cards. Recipe yeah. cards, yeah, I think um, We're getting idea. some really good feedback, actually, around the fresh soups that I prepare each morning. So we can certainly look at doing recipe cards and then you could pick up those ingredients in our store. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a win-win, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Uh, and maybe you could maybe you could put some videos or something on your Facebook yes, page. Yes, <laughs> I, have, I have ventured out into one video. <laughs> I need a bit more practice. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great, you know, because you're learning new stuff all the time. Then. I am, yeah. Yeah. So you've only been in business five weeks uh, and you've already made links with the community, which is terrific. So tell us about Chance Changing Lives in Crew. So I got in touch with Michelle at Chance Changing Lives because before I even opened, I was really keen to make sure that we were minimising any waste that goes to landfill, but more specifically using any waste that we're not able to either sell in the shop or use within our quiche and soups, etc. Rather than get that going to waste, I was looking for it to go to a soup kitchen. However, at the time, a lot of these um, charities were advertising for non-perishable goods. So Michelle came into the store uh, we arranged a meeting and we've agreed that on a Saturday, if there are any fruits, vegetables or breads that we're not able to use up ourselves or sell, we will donate those to Chance Changing Lives. And it's a fantastic charity. So Michelle will take the ingredients. Uh, she does a bit of a ready, steady cook, looks at what she's got and makes a delicious meal, which is then given out to the homeless in Crew. Absolutely fantastic. So you're making a difference as well. It's great to be a part of it. It really is. Just based on what you've told me, the, the business must survive because you, you've got some wonderful ideas. 
Yeah, and you know we'll continue to develop and adapt our business to to sort of suit the environment that we're trading in. We'll, we will have to do that anyway over the next twelve months with Brexit impending. Um, Emma, tell our listeners how they can find out more information about Gibson's Green Grocer and Deli. So you can find us on Facebook or on Instagram at Gibson's Green Grocers Deli, but. Even better, why don't you pop in to find us? So we're inside La Boutique Market in Sandbach, just off the high street um, next door to Steve Brooks Butchers. Emma, thanks very much for coming into The Cat today. Thank you for having me. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.